Open up to Luke 18 if you haven't. Today is our child baby dedication service. We are excited about it. Next week, the plan is to finally get back to Acts. If you're reading ahead, you can read Acts chapter 21. That's where we're going to pick it up. I'll have to do some legwork to remind everyone what Acts chapter 20 was about because it's been two months now since we've been there, but I'm excited. So what I'm going to share with you this morning is essentially what we shared with the families um, the last couple weeks as we met with them. But Luke 18 really captures so much of the precedence of why we want to do this. Luke tells us this in verse 15. It says, Now they were bringing even infants to Him, that Jesus, He might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them, that is, the people bringing the children. But Jesus called them to Him, saying, Let the children come to Me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. That is an incredibly loaded statement. The disciples rebuked the people for bringing their infants, their children to Jesus, that He might simply bless them, touch them. And Jesus has to correct their thinking and say, look, the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these, and unless you become like them, you're not entering. There's such a truth in the simplicity of faith of a child that it was adequate for Jesus to tell us that's how you need to be. And so... While a child dedication service does not hold the weight of, of baptism or um, communion, it's not a prescribed event for the church. It is nonetheless have some precedence in Scripture, which we'll look at in a minute. But first, I want to say this. A child dedication service really is not simply a child dedication service. And so I'm going to speak on two fronts this morning. One what children are. But two, it's, it's also a parent dedication service, really. And that's probably more of what it is than a child dedication service. So I want to speak first to the children. I know they're not here, but for us to have some context of, of why we bring children. One, we just looked at it in Luke. Jesus said to let them come. He didn't forbid it. And He told us, don't forbid it. Allow them to come. There's nothing wrong with offering up our children to the Lord. One, because they're a gift from Him and they're created in His image. We know this from Genesis 1. Before God had even created Adam and Eve, He said, let us make man in our image. Male and female, He created us. And so, as God's created capstone creation, we bear His unique image. But Psalm 127.3 says this, children are a heritage from the Lord and the fruit of the root the fruit of the womb, a reward. But turn real quick with me to Psalm 139. And by the way, we're going to jump around to some passages. So have your fingers ready to move. Psalm 139, verse 13 and following says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. And your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. One of our favorite psalms in all Scripture, celebrated psalm of the Lord as our Creator, seeing our unformed substance, knitting us together in our mother's womb, how fearfully and wonderfully made are our children. So children are a gift from the Lord, and they are His unique creation, and He loves them. Nonetheless, children are born under the same sinful conditions that all of us are. And they will one day need redemption like the rest of us. David said in Psalm 51.5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Proverbs 22.15 says this, that folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. But turn with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 5, where Paul makes this case that as precious and beautiful and great as our children are, they're little tiny sinners. And we know that. (laughs) We've experienced that. Why is that? Well, Paul answers that. We're going to read just three verses out of Romans 5. Verse 12 says this, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin... And so death spread to all men, because all sinned, being in Adam. Go down to verse 17. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. And then in verse 19. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. So it's the uncomfortable truth that our children, left to themselves, will develop into full-blown sinners, just like us. And our heart is, Lord, save them before too much happens in their life. They will need redemption like the rest of us. And so our baby dedication, as far as the kids are concerned, we want to focus on praying for our kids, teaching our kids, training them in the fear and the discipline of the Lord. The entire book of Proverbs is about this. The entire book of Proverbs was written from a father for his child. And so, parents, this is a great tool for you as parents to teach your children. Read Proverbs to them. It was meant for children. Practical wisdom. We want to train them in the fear and discipline of the Lord. We want to share the gospel with them as well as model and live the gospel for them. We don't want to simply speak the gospel and not live it because what we'll do in our, in our children's hearts is cause them to hate the gospel because they'll see our hypocrisy and they'll hate it. And so many in this generation have turned from it because of hypocrisy. We want to foster a heart and an environment for our children where they can respond to God's call and invitation to salvation. Let's read Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you will. Like I said, we're going back and forth. So if you didn't know where these books were before, you will after this sermon. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're going to read verse 6 and 7. Actually, let's just read 4 and 5 with it because that's pretty important. 
Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord, is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Jesus said that was the greatest commandment that could be given. But what's follow? Verse 6, These words that I command you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. We are to immerse our children with the truth of God. That's what this is telling us. Why? Because we're to love Him. That is our greatest aim. As any person, we are created in His image, and all we can give back and offer back is our love. So that's what we desire for our children. But for the parents, we're going to focus primarily in Ephesians chapter 6. You can mark Ephesians 6 if you want. Again, we're going to look at other scriptures, but I'll make my way to Ephesians 6 shortly. So there is a biblical precedent for dedicating children. Like I said, it doesn't hold the level of a baptism or of the Lord's Supper, but there's precedent. If you remember in 1 Samuel chapter 1, Hannah was barren and prayed unceasingly for a child that the Lord would open her womb, and He did. But what did she do with her child Samuel? Dedicated him back to God. We also see in Luke chapter 2, according to the law, the firstborn was to be set apart and dedicated to the Lord. And so Jesus, being the firstborn, was dedicated in the temple, set apart. Luke chapter 2, verse 22 and 23. Jesus, we just read in Luke also, chapter 18, says, Do not forbid the children to come to me. And then Paul notes for Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, that from the time Timothy was a little child, he had been raised in the Scriptures, knowing them, because his mother and his grandmother were devout believers, bringing him up, according to Deuteronomy 6. And so parents, what I want to, I guess, talk about a little bit for you is that we understand the first two points I talked about with the children. One, that they are a gift. It was God who made them, and He's given and entrusted them to us. But they are His. They bear His image as well as our image. And so children are a gift on loan. And we will give an account for how we deal with them, how we raise them, how we teach them. But they also need to be brought, parents, with the knowledge that not only are they created by God so that they need to know Him as Creator, but they need to know Him as Savior as well. They need to be exposed to the sinfulness of their own hearts and their need for forgiveness. When their little hearts do sin, bring it out. Show them their sin. Not to shame them, but that it might drive them to Christ. You never want to shame them for it. The Lord does not do that. But He does expose us so that we might confess and be cleansed and healed. 
And so above all, parents, that's what we need to understand and dedicate ourselves to. You can say it in a very short statement like I just did, but it's, a, it's an ongoing, immense work. The job of raising children is a daily, sometimes minute-by-minute task. You can teach your children, as you know, and expose something they just did, and two minutes later, they'll go do it right, right again. The job of training never ends. And that's okay. God gives us grace to do it. But here's where I want to go to Ephesians chapter 6 before we call the parents up, and this will take the rest of our time. In Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, Paul writes this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. I remember when I was a young Christian, my pastor at the time, Skip Heitzig, pointed out something that maybe you know, maybe you don't know, but one, honoring our father and mothers is unfortunately not taught in homes today. Um, And I think it goes back to much of what we talked about with postmodern mindset. What's honored is the child's own self-will and desire. But the command to honor our father and mother is a command that will always bear upon that child. Now, children are not always under the authority of their parents. One day they will leave the authority of their parents, but they are, for as long as their parents live, they are to honor them. And so attached to that command was the first promise, that it may go well with you. So we need to teach our children what honoring your father and your mother is. If we don't do this in the home, a child to a parent, there is absolutely no way that a child will honor God. Because the parents are the immediate authority placed over a child by God. If they can't honor the parents, they don't love the Lord. Because they're disobeying that first command from God. But at the same time, not only are we to teach them honor of a father and mother, Paul turns it around in verse 4 and says, Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. So often, honor, we think, is a derived characteristic. And in a sense, it is. As the position of a father or mother, it holds honor. But some fathers and mothers are not very honorable in how they deal with their children. And so a child can honor their father and mother as father and mother, though the parents' actions often are despicable in many cases. And so Paul warns the fathers in particular, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and in the instruction of the Lord. I want to take verse 4 apart and look at this step by step. The need for children to be trained, taught, disciplined, must be coupled with mercy and it must be coupled with grace. Children must learn both the fear of God as well as the grace of God through their parents' life, through their teaching, through their prayers, and through their own faith in the Lord. Here's a word for parents. Whether you're dedicating your child today or not, here's a word for parents. Pray especially for discernment to know when your child needs the flogging that the law will give them or the healing oil of grace. 
because kids are particularly vulnerable to being exasperated, frustrated, and discouraged because of their parents who might be short-sighted and thoughtless in how they treat their children. You need discernment, parents, when the children need the flogging that the law gives and their conscience does need to be afflicted over their behavior. That's the working of the law and it's good. We want children to fear sin. We want children to fear disobedience. But at the same time, there's a time to do that and there's a time to give grace. A parent, especially fathers, who are always heavy-handed with their children will only provoke their child to anger and lose their respect and their ear. Balance your discipline with grace. Don't only rebuke, teach them. Don't only give commands, but listen to them as well. We are the child's authority, but one thing I've learned as a young parent is that we can learn much from them if we listen as their authority. So there's a balance. Yes, teach them to honor you, but give them reason to honor you. Don't provoke them to anger. But Paul goes on, he says this, Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up. It is never too young to start training your children. The moment they break through the womb, begin praying for them. One of the, I'm so glad that Jill is a singer. I wasn't a singer, but she's kind of brought it out of me. One of the things we started doing with our kids when they were babies is just sing to them. And one of my favorite memories with Autumn is her as this little two-year-old kid sitting on her bed with us singing We Three Kings and Silent Night and Amazing Grace. She just memorized these songs from such an early age. And I loved instilling those truths at such a young age in our children. Bring them up. It's never too young. Orientate your life as a parent around serving and worshiping the Lord, not around serving and worshiping your child. Because that's when you'll be effective in leading them. When you orientate your life as a parent around serving and worshiping the Lord, the child will be brought up with the same mindset. They will not only hear the truth, that you speak, but they will see the truth. As we sang just a little bit ago, Knowing You, that song captures what we want for our children. And so often, how we train our kids up is actually teaching them, hey, the greatest thing you can get is the things of the world because that's what they see you pursuing most often and not Christ. But Paul says, no. I want to count it all as rubbish that I may gain Him. If I lose it all, That's what I want my child to see in me. Because that's worth it. So the child must be brought up not only hearing the truth, but seeing the truth. Creating an environment for your child to learn and observe what a Christian and worshiper of God is. Do it from the earliest time you can do it. If you haven't been doing it, start today. It's never too late. Teach them God's Word. Read them God's Word. Teach them about its source of sanctification, its source of deliverance from sin and guilt. I want to read some psalms to go along with this. If you want to turn to Psalm 34 with me real quick. The greatest thing that you can do for your child is to implant in them 
knowledge of God's Word. Psalm 34, beginning in verse 11. We'll read through verse 14. The psalmist writes this, Come, O children. Reflects what Jesus said, right? Let them come to me. Invite your children to be part of your family worship. Come, O children. Listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life? And loves many days that he may see good. Does that not reflect what we want for our kids? Absolutely. So what do we teach? Keep your tongue from evil. Your lips from speaking deceit. And turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Turn to Psalm 119. You'll know this one. Read verse 9 through 11. Psalm 119. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Parents, lead them to the Scripture because your child's purity depends on it. With my whole heart, I will seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. If you were to go read Proverbs chapter 2, the entire chapter talks about this idea. Teaching your children wisdom, what to avoid, what to pursue, and how to be delivered from temptation. It's so sad to watch so often kids come out of the home at 18 and go to college and they've never been prepared or taught how they can be delivered from temptation and they're going to be tempted. Parents, this is your call. Equip your kids in His Word that you might deliver them, that they might be delivered later. Bring them up. And then Paul says this in Ephesians 6, in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let's talk about that. The discipline of the Lord includes many things. It includes instruction, Bible study, It includes training in the spiritual disciplines of prayer, Bible study, fasting, fellowshipping, worshiping, serving. I'll stop there before I go on. One of the greatest things I think you can do as a parent is serve in a church and bring your kids with you. Let them see you serve. Let them serve with you. It's okay. They're going to fail. They're going to be rowdy. It's okay. Let them see you practicing these spiritual disciplines. Let them see you praying in home for them. Let them see you studying your Bible in your house and invite them to join you. The discipline of the Lord also includes correction. And I spoke about this a few weeks ago. If you spank your children, you're condemned by society. And you must be wise about how you do it, but there's no doubt in Scripture that we are to do it. No doubt. There's so many Proverbs that speak about the need for children to be spanked. As we saw in Proverbs earlier, folly is bound up in the heart of our children, but the rod of discipline drives it far from them. But let's read some other Proverbs to look at this. We'll just go through them real quick. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1. 
writes this, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. You see, so often, I think parents don't discipline their kids because they themselves don't like being disciplined. But this proverb tells us and makes it clear, if you love discipline, you love knowledge. And you understand what Hebrews 12 talks about, that the Lord disciplines those whom He loves, and that if we don't have discipline in our life from Him, we're not His child. God does not withhold discipline from us. Neither should we from our children. Verse Chapter 13, verse 24. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Proverbs 23, 13 and 14. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with the rod, he will not die. If you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. I've noticed with my children, we start thumping on the hand from a very young age. And you do not have to do it very hard at all. But man, they think it's the worst thing in the world. And I think about this proverb, hey, they're not going to die from that. It's okay. But it served its point of correcting their little heart. And so now, it's very rare that my older two get hard spankings because they've been trained by it. It brings about a desire to want to do right. And we, fortunately, are getting to enjoy that peaceable fruit that discipline brings. Our kids are not perfect, and I'm not standing up here just to boast about them. But I am boasting in what the Word says, that it's good. And it brings about the desired result. Proverbs 29, verse 17 says, Discipline your son, and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. So the discipline of the Lord is many things. And all of them need to be practiced and exercised Because like I said earlier, our children are little sinners and they must learn the fear and instruction of God. But he also says, bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. And we've touched on this. Teach your children God's Word. Get a a children's Bible and just read the stories to them. And when they come of age, start reading actually out of the Scriptures. Teach the full counsel of God's Word to them. Teach both the warnings as well as the promises, the blessings, as well as the cursings. They're both true. Don't shield your child from what's hard. Teach it all to them. Pray with them. Walk in faith with God so that they can witness the words you speak in action. Not only that, when you pray for God's provision, for instance, and you let your children pray with you and hear your prayers for God to provide... When he does, they'll see God's faithfulness and it will engender faith in them, which is what you want. Pray with them so that God may answer your prayers for your children. How important training a child is. It begins in the home. Start early until you've discharged all of your duty. So this time, I want to, the parents who are dedicating their children, I'll invite you to go get your, your kids. And then I'm going to, while they're doing that, I'm going to speak a quick word to the church. Because we do have a role in this as well. There's an equal responsibility for the church. So for us, church, it's easy to sit in the congregation 
and see someone who has children and not engage them because they're not our kids. We don't have that luxury. We are to engage both the children and their parents in Christian fellowship, in love, with truth. Engage them, especially if you've had children and know how difficult it is. How badly us as young parents need older people who've had wisdom through years of experience to teach us to come alongside of us. We need that. Don't sit idly by and just simply watch. So many in the church today hold the attitude that the disciples had when Jesus rebuked them in Luke 18. They get frustrated with the little kids. Hey, just give them a little class on their own and get them out of here. I guarantee you, I do not want to be a part of that church. And those churches that have that kind of attitude toward children will die very quickly. We need children in our life. As rowdy and as messed up as they are, I am thankful for them. As we hear a cry, I'm thankful for that. That's part of the church life. The disciples had the attitude that was found most frequently in the culture at large. It wasn't a unique attitude to the disciples. It was actually the attitude of the culture as a whole. And Jesus said, I've come to change that attitude. I want the kids around me. Bring them. And so church, engender that attitude toward, toward children. Don't get frustrated with them. Rather, use your wisdom to come in love and grace. We need to keep close to God's grace and gospel at this point. Children are little sinners running around. And in my thinking, I would rather them be in the company of those who have truth and grace than those who don't. I would rather them be here than not. So let's not let our hearts get cold toward children. Rather, recognize the opportunity that you have with each and every one of them to love them, to teach them, to be an example of Christ to them, so that Jesus may begin a work in their hearts very early and save them. I've heard testimonies very frequently of people who came to faith out of the example of someone in their church. One off the top of my head, an old man who always loved these little children and just would love on them, give them little pieces of candy, pray for them. And these little children just came to love this man and seeing him such an example of Christ. It was a place they wanted to be. That's what we need to be as a church. Young parents need wisdom badly from those who have it. They need help. They need patience from those who above all should know how to give it. And we want our children to love coming into the fellowship of the saints. But when the saints are, quite, are not quite saintly, I don't want them to come to hate the church. So love children. Get involved in their life. Pour into them. Pour into the parents. We need it. I need it. With that, I want to invite the couples on forward. And I want to bring Bo and Dwayne up as well um, to introduce your couples. We're going to do something a little bit different than how we've done it in the past. We felt like in the past, the vows that we did were pretty um, impersonal. So we actually asked the parents to write their own vows this year. And we'll, I'm sure, keep doing that. But um, So parents, come on up and we'll just line up here. 
Dwayne, there's a microphone right behind you. It's number three. And uh, introduce your couples that you met with. And then we'll ask the parents to read their vows. Just go and line up this way. I'll let Dwayne go first. For that reason, uh, we'd like to dedicate them and ourselves to the following. We dedicate ourselves to pursuing our faith and belief in God and teachings of Jesus Christ. We will depend on these truths to guide and direct our lives, knowing that our example will mold our children and shape their own faith. And our, our first two children were never dedicated. We didn't have that opportunity. So we, we put children in here because we wanted to include them, of course. Um, so we dedicate ourselves to a sacrificial relationship full of grace with one another. Uh, we will prioritize one another over work and children, seeking a healthy and thriving relationship, knowing that one of the best gifts we can give our children is a joyful, kind, genuine, and most importantly, loving marriage. We dedicate ourselves to actively participating in the Christian community, investing in people, learning from friends, and using our gifts as we are called to do so. We know that our children need role models, examples, friends, and mentors outside of our family, and we will surround them with opportunities to serve and to love with people who embody the fruit of the Spirit. We dedicate ourselves to raising our children with unconditional love as well as with sound biblical instruction and discipline. In doing so, we will take every interaction with them as an opportunity to instill their intrinsic value from their creator and the value of those around them. That's good. Thank you, guys. I had the opportunity to meet with the Myers this week. And also, as a side note, I met with the Harrises, so Savannah and her husband, Justin, and little Ezra. And Ezra woke up pretty sick this morning. So anyways, we'll catch up with him later. But with the Myers, I had an opportunity to meet with them. We have Tammy and Mike, and then we have Hunter, and then the latest addition, baby Maya. And how old is Maya now? Five weeks. A lot of sleepless nights, whatever that adds up to. So anyways, um, keep in mind, everybody, that the Lansfords dedicated three children, so yours doesn't have to be as long as theirs. I saw a lot of worried looks on faces. So anyways, uh, here's Mike, and he's going to read their dedication for baby Maya. Maya is a gift from God. We promise to teach her about the Lord through worship, prayer, and study to model a life that demonstrates God's love and truth, and to raise her in a way that hopefully aligns with God's will for her and our family. We will also discipline and instruct her using the gospel as our guide. We hope our lives will show her and her brother how to be good Christians. So I got to meet with the Hendricksons. You all have known them for a while. This is their latest edition, Bo. He looks exactly like his brothers, Sam and Eli. I love it. I don't know how they do it, but uh, my kids didn't do that. Anyway, um, Mike is going to read their vows, I think. Yep. Cool. All right, this is written more as a letter to Bo. So, Bo, you are a precious gift from God, and today we dedicate you to him. We commit to raise, nurture, and train you in the ways of the Lord. 
Our greatest desire is for you to grow to be a man of faith who loves and serves God all the days of your life. We know that there is no greater gift than living in his grace, resting in his love, and walking in his ways. We love you, and we are honored to be the ones to teach you about Jesus. All right, and this was my other family, and they happen, thankfully, to be our next-door neighbors. We're so thankful for them. This is John and Riley. This is their daughter, Gracie, who formed an immediate bond with Madeline, mainly, but all of our girls, and uh, Henry. We are so thankful for God blessing us with our Henry, and we want to dedicate his life to God. Our hope and prayer is that he grows up to know, love, and follow God. And we pray that he understands the importance of prayer, studies the Bible with passion, and strives to do good throughout his life. And his parents will show him how to do this through being a good example and by praying with him, reading the Bible with him, worshiping God with him, and lovingly disciplining him lovingly disciplining him according to God's word. Thank you guys so much. I love hearing their vows. Isn't that great? Let's have a time of prayer with, with uh, these families if you want to stay up here. And, uh, and then we'll end the service with a song. Father, we, just, we want to dedicate these children to you, Lord. Not only these, but uh, others who couldn't quite be here today. Father, we are so thankful for the many children we have in our in our congregation. It is a privilege, it's a joy, it's an awesome responsibility both as parents and as a church. But Father, it's a joyful responsibility. We, we are so thankful that you've blessed us with so many. So God, we ask that you would shine your face on these little kids' hearts, that you'd be gracious to them, that you'd even now begin to draw them to your son. Father, that you'd call them to your, to your son through salvation. Father, that you'd begin to to cleanse their heart, to transform their minds, that they would grow to be servants of you. Father, we, um, we can't say enough for your grace toward us, not only in giving us these kids, but in your grace, you've made a way for them to be saved. So we offer all this time and our praise up and our thanks up to you. In Christ's name, amen.